You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to MLB Extras, the Atlanta Braves edition. I'm Allison Fetter, and I'm here with Mark Oman. And Mark, now that we are uh, post-winter meetings and just leading up to the holidays, things get kind of slow, but uh, the Braves have still some things, some questions they need to answer and some uh, some roster holes that they might need to fill. Um, so there was a lot of speculation that they were going to be looking at some outfield options on the free agent market. And with Michael Brantley signing with the Astros, um, they're going to need to pivot, as we like to say in this business. Um, so where do you think that they're going with that after a couple of big names, Andrew McCutcheon, Michael Brantley have come off the board? Yeah, I mean, I, I, those were two guys. You know, When they looked at the free agent market entering the offseason, you know, obviously there's – yeah, you, you – you recognize what Bryce Harper can do for you, and, and they did not have any interest in going, f- uh, uh, providing the length that he will he will get. You know, he's seeking and will get. So, you know, you start looking down the list, and you say Andrew McCutcheon, maybe for a one or two year deal. They certainly weren't going to go uh, to three years as the Phillies did with Brantley. I think there was some interest. Um, there was some hesitance as well, just you know, the fact that he's only played more than 90 games once over the last uh, three seasons. And you, know, you look at that and you say that, that that may benefit an American League team that can, you know, may, maybe give him a little bit more money or uh, that an extra year, which, you know, the Astros didn't end up giving him more years than, than anyone would have expected. But, you know, at the same time, you can make that commitment knowing that we can give him days off, we can rest his legs as a DH. Um, you know, and another thing that – that plays in the fact, you know, places an advantage elsewhere is got a lot of Braves fans when, when this, the financial figures were announced for Brantley, they said, well, the Braves could have done two and 32. Well, two and 32 in Georgia is not equal in every state. And as you know, Allison, you know, in Texas, you don't have an income tax. Um, so not, not everything was equal there. Um, that's not to say that Brantley was their number one target, but now as they look ahead, they have to, they have to determine do you what's more important, putting another big bat in that lineup that you already added, Donaldson, um, or do you need to go out and get, you know, add a, a big arm um, to that rotation? You know, they, they probably have, you know, probably at least $25 million spent. I think I wrote $30 million yesterday. Uh, with that being said, I think Alex Anthopoulos, Anthopoulos is going to budget some of that for next summer. Um, but, uh, where will they go for the outfielders? I don't know. Uh, you know, if, if there's a surprising trade target out there that we haven't heard of, that's a possibility. Uh, if not, I won't be surprised if Nick Marcakis or Carlos Gonzalez are, are not there uh, in the outfield at the start of the season. It's got to be nice uh, for the Braves' perspective, and I know this is the first time we're doing a podcast together, um, and I haven't spent a lot of time talking to talking Braves with the Braves insiders, but. I mean, just looking at what they did in 2018 and and how quickly the rebuild kind of came together, even though I'm sure it seemed a lot longer for people that were there watching it every day. Um, but to be in this kind of position where they're good and they're young and they're they're just they're just now coming, um, 
to be able to look at kind of the what's out there and what's available as pieces and not these dire needs. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but that's where it seems like where they are right now. That's got to be a pretty nice feeling for the front office. Yeah, and it's one of those, it's it's where do you pull the trigger? You know, nobody expected them to win a division last year. You know, you go through your rebuild, you you, you stay patient, you you run the course. And, and just because the Nationals were a disappointment and the Phillies couldn't catch the ball last year and the, the Mets had a horrible June and, um, you know, May and June, doesn't mean that you have to necessarily just accelerate and completely change the, what was a long-term plan that began back in 2015. Everyone wants to win. You know, you, you want to win every year at the same time. You don't necessarily blow everything up and say, okay, well, we need to trade these top three guys because we need to win next year. Now, that may give you a chance to win in 2019, but at the same time, you'll turn around and say in 2020, and beyond, we would have been better off had we kept those pieces or had we not made that aggressive move. Um, look, they, they've got all kind of pieces. They've got eight or 10 players within MLB uh, pipelines, top 100 prospects. Eight of those are pitchers. Could they get any any big deal done? You know, sure. It's But at the same time, when you say, okay, let's, let's trade these pieces to Cleveland for Kluber, um, first of all, you have to have a willingness from the other team to, to truly want to trade the guy. Um, but you know, you take a step back and say, how much are we losing? Yeah. It's nice to have Kluber every five days next year and maybe for the, the next three years, but at the same time, could the multiple pieces that were used to get that one guy, could that have been used better? Whether, you know, from a direct standpoint with those players uh, putting on the uniform for you, or maybe using them as, as pieces to get multiple assets down the road. So, um, I think that they are, you know, while the fans might be restless and you want that second consecutive division title, you've got to take a step back every once in a while and say, let's let this process run. Just because we were ahead of schedule last year and maybe not even ahead of schedule, yes, some of your players, you know, stepped up. You, you got more out of Ozzy Albies during the first half than you expected. Mike Falkenevich took that step forward. You don't necessarily accelerate 2019's plans just because 2018 went better than expected, because at that point in time, you're going to start <clears throat> ruining what, what you might have, you know, from 2020 and beyond. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it was, a, was it so much that the Braves were overachieving or was it because like all the teams that you mentioned, you're right. You were very kind to the Mets by just, by just saying that they only had two bad months. Um, but- <laughs> well, here, here's, that's the other thing you got to remember though, and it's surprising. It, the Mets had the best record in the NL East from July 1st on. Now, it wasn't a great record, but that just tells you where the, the rest of the division was. Um, you know, I, I, if I had to guess just off memory, I think they were six or seven games above 500 over those three months. Um, we know what kind of pitching they have when they're healthy. Um, but, yeah, like you said, I, I mean, there, there was a lot, of, a lot of things that went right, you know, outside of Atlanta – uh, for the Braves. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I do get a kick out of it. Having been a former beat writer, I, I feel you. Uh, you're trying to monitor situations as they're happening and you can't prognosticate the future by looking into a crystal ball, even though the fans would prefer that you do it that way. Um, but just trying to figure out if the, if the Braves are in on JT Real Muto, if they're out, they're in, they're out. Um, it looks like they're not going to be players in this, but as far as like right now, as we're talking, where do you see uh, them 
kind of viewing JT Real Muto. Yeah, I, he, look, he was uh, – they, they had him – tried to get him last winter. They tried to get him again this past summer before the trade deadline. Uh, they certainly had interest at the beginning of this this offseason when the Marlins are asking for major league talent, including Ozzie Albies. Um, you know, there was some hesitance there. Um, you know, the, their feeling was the Marlins were looking for – even more, you know, they're, they're looking for a significant return, but they're looking for even something more significant if they were going to trade him within the division. It doesn't make much sense to me for a team that, you know, you're trading two years of control for a guy that, and your team is not going to contend for at least three, four years down the road. And that's probably very optimistic right now. They, they didn't get anything for any of those pieces they traded last year. Or, you know, you take a step back and think they traded Stanton, Yelich, Gordon, and Ozuna. And they do not have a single prospect within MLB Pipeline's top 100 prospects. And, you know, I, I don't think you can start being picky, but at the same time, you know, from Atlanta's perspective, I think that the fact that they had a conversation about JT, you know, during the first day or two of the winter meetings, yeah, there, there was still some interest. They were going to figure out a way. What, what are you going to do with McCann and Flowers? They, they were willing to, to make changes to their current plans, um, but – you know, the story I wrote late Saturday night, you know, when I was informed that, you know, they they really weren't in it and, they, and they're willing want to step away. Um, when you get a, a call like that, you know, some information. You know, look, I don't think any of us want to write a story at 1030 or 11 o'clock on a Saturday night just out of the blue. I like how the fans are like, how would you write this? And they get all mad and saying, you know, it's, and I get it. That's what you want from the fans. They you know, they want that player and they get upset when you say it's not going to happen. At the same time, we all know that the landscape changes and the landscape did slightly change the next day when the Mets go out and get Ramos because now all of a sudden you say, okay, that's one less suitor for the Marlins. Do they ever, is there a chance they circle back to the Braves and say, okay, we will do this now. Um, has that happened? No. Have I gotten a sense that it's going to happen? Not right now, but that's because the Dodgers are still in play. The Astros are still in play. Um, well, I say there's absolutely no chance that JT Rio Muto's in Atlanta. No, I mean, there's, there's always going to be a chance, but for now, I don't think he's viewed as a priority here. And, you know, I, I just, if I was, you know, if I had to bet on it, I'd say he, he would, he'll land elsewhere. Yeah. I think that you're right on that. Um, for JT's sake, I hope it just comes to a resolution soon. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I would, I would think the Rays are probably, probably a long shot at this point, but who really knows? Um, let's, let's go to the inbox. Uh, you just recently posted some answers to some fan questions on the Rays website. So let's conclude with a couple of those questions. Dak would like to know if Max Freed can be our next Josh Hader, which presumably means a uh, do it, do it all kind of reliever that can, uh, pitch multiple innings, could get a couple outs, could just absolutely dominate when he's in there. So what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a possibility. I mean, I, the one thing that stands out uh, about Freed is, you know, where his velocity jumped last year in September when he knew he was just going to be used as a reliever. You know, a guy that's probably 90, 91, 92. Now we were seeing 95, 96 consistently. Um, he has a big curveball. Um, yeah, could could that happen? Yeah, do I think there's a strong chance that Max Freed becomes a an asset in that bullpen? Yeah, especially if he's able to um, get to a point where 
He's, he's battled so much with blisters throughout his career. Um, I, you know, that he's going to have to figure something out to, to stay healthy throughout a season. The one guy that I said that, that they maybe could fit that role even better from an internal standpoint is Luis Gohara, you know, his big CC Sabathia clone who impressed enough in uh, spring training in, or not spring training, I'm sorry, in September of 2017. I think he had five starts and comes back to spring training. He, he had a rough winter last year. He, he lost his father. Uh, his mother um, became ill while he's down there in Brazil. And quite frankly, he, he did not do a lot. You know, his offseason training um, was minimal at best. So he came to, to camp out of shape and he strained a, a hamstring and then he turned an ankle and, and basically just didn't have a spring training. Um Alex Anthopoulos has, has since told us that, you know, when he was walking through the clubhouse after that first injury, that the ankle or I mean, the, the hamstring, I think um, Freddie Freeman said to him, um, I really thought that Gohara could be an all star this year. I had, like I said, this is a guy that only had five appearances before. From what I understand, Luis is in pretty good shape. He's spent this this entire offseason in Orlando. You know, here, here's a big lefty who, uh, you know, he can he can. Fire, dial it up 96, 97 miles an hour. Um, I think he could be a, a multi-inning asset of that bullpen as well. With that being said, either one of those guys, if there is a, a void in that rotation, they both have the capability of maybe filling very valuable innings as well at some point this year. But, um, you know, if I had to pick one of those two guys to be the hater type, I think I'd go with Gohara. Um, but, but the fact that they have so many valuable arms, so many of these young starters, you know, you put some in the rotation, maybe you use some to, to trade them, but at some point in time, you also say, Hey, look, could we, could we get value out of this arm in a bullpen for a few years? And, um, either one of those guys would, would fit that bill. Okay. And then the last question from C trim, would the Braves ever consider having Albies only bat from the right side and stop being a switch hitter? You know, I, I, Heard that earlier this fall was one of the I, whoever it was, a scout, an agent, whoever you know, the countless conversations you have. Somebody said, you know, they were close to saying that Albies was only going back from the right side, uh, whether that was August or September. Uh, that that talk was supposedly had. I asked Alex and Alex about that about a week or two ago, and uh, he said, no, that never happened. And look, you think about it. It's, it's, that's so much easier said than done. You 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 spent however old you are. Let's say if, if you're in the major leagues as a switcher, it's, it's probably a good chance you've been doing it for at least a decade. You know, in Albies' case, um, you know, since the time he was 10, 11 years old, he's been seeing nothing but right-handed pitchers from the left side. You know, all of a sudden in the middle of the season, you're going to switch him. No. Now, could you do it during the winter? Okay, now, if, if you really think that left-handed swing's that, that big of a problem, which, which you know, there's always been a concern throughout the minors, and then, of course, during the second half last year, yeah, you can make that change. It's, but I, I just think you have to give this kid a chance to make an adjustment. He's 21 years old. The pitcher's adjusted to him. And, and his mechanics from the left side, just his leg kick was, it tends to get, you know, just to simplify it as best we can it becomes a little bit too aggressive at times. Um, if he can control himself, you know, more consistently from that side, cut down on the strikeouts, maybe be a little bit more selective. That, that, that would help him from both sides of the plate. 
and get better plate discipline. You know, I, I think that, that he can still be a very valuable switch hitter. I think so too. Okay. Mark, great stuff. Thank you so much. Thanks to everybody for listening to MLB Extras, the Atlanta Braves edition. Mark, enjoy the holidays. We'll talk to you in January. You do the same. Take care. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.